to Infinite Beat on Radio Valencia, and this is your host, Topazu, and you were just listening to the new Marine Davidson LP, Adieu Dance Floor. That was the very first track, I Dedicate My Life. Uh, this release is spectacular. I absolutely, highly, highly recommend it. Every song is spectacular. Um, you can grab a physical copy of it through Minimal Wave, also known as City Tracks, which is the label that it is on. Um, again, every song is just sublime and definitely one of my favorite releases this year. And, uh, so today I have a returning guest. He is one-fourth of the Surface Tension Collective has started his own label with Chris Aldua, also of Surface Tension. Uh, that label is called Left Hand Path. And he has his own techno label, or t- techno project, actually, excuse me, uh, called Nine. Uh, I have Nihar back in the studio with me. Hello, my friend. Hi. How's it going? Good. It's great to be back. Very, very cool. Um, thank you for gracing us with your, your presence. Of course. <laughs> so... Um, let me just turn this down for a second. There we go. Um, so I think a lot of our really good friends um, have very similar tastes, but I find that you and I share a lot of similar musical taste. Um, and one of those genres that uh, we, we have uh, a lot of admiration for that I haven't really touched on on the show with other guests is industrial music and industrial music was very much a post-industrial movement where sort of due to the limited access people were using power tools and sort of using whatever synthesizers that they had access to or that they could afford um, industrial music sort of became what it sounds like or what we our impressions of what industrial music sounds like um, back then, which is you know the late '70s for the most part to the early '80s, um, and, uh, and now we're in some ways in a post-internet world in 2016, and sort of the borders of locale are more blurred. 
you don't get the kind of you know, smaller communities with very specific kinds of sounds like you do back then with like Sheffield, what was happening in Sheffield, what was happening in San Francisco as well. So, and, and with that, we also have systems like Ableton where you have access to make essentially any kind of sound and any kind of music at the at sort of your fingertips, and you have access to sort of the online communities, etc. So, how do you think that this sort of infinite access has sort of sculpted or dismantled our ideas of what's possible for industrial music or even? on some terms, like the identity of, of industrial music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, like you said, when, when we talk about post-industrial music as a post-industrial sound, I think that's a really important idea because industrial music wasn't um, a specific genre of music when it started, of course. It was like exactly. a, it was a, like a set of ideas or almost... You know, uh, um, I mean, it, it was a bunch of different things. Sometimes it was really, you know, in a very exclusive sort of high art. Um, like, you know, when we talk about like man, like throbbing gristle, or we talk about Einstein and Neubauten, or mm-hmm. you know, what was happening in Germany and UK and other European places. Um, the th- sounds that people thought of as industrial music were very disparate. Actually, like it was whatever you could do to make sort of a, a new sound. It was it was a word for um, a certain type of experimental approach, um, and it, I I think uh, you know the tools of the time, like what was accessible to you know poor artists at the time, was like determined, like you said, mm-hmm. what so the sounds were. So um, you know, if you think about the, I was thinking about this, um, you know, it, it the time has a lot to. Do even more than the location because it, it has. There's a lot of analogous, a lot analogous to sort of the uh, you know early dub uh, in Jamaica and that kind of experimentation has a very similar feel in certain ways to you know like finding what you can find, using effects, finding ways to sort of make a new sound. And uh, when you think about two, two like Anderson Noibaton and, and Cabaret Voltaire, two of the two of the foundational industrial bands. Mm-hmm. They don't sound very much like each other at all. They actually have more in common with dub each in different ways than they do to each other. Yeah. Um, and that, I think, is indicative of that period of experimentation. Mm-hmm. Um, but today, so, you know, at some point, you know, industrial music got a, attached to a very specific type of electronic experimentation that fused mm-hmm. sort of noise, uh, synth, synth pop, was a major influence at a certain mm-hmm. point, and and increasingly, like electronic dance music, um, well, you know, became attached to that label. But I do think now, with uh, sampling at, you know, sampling being something that you can do in all kinds of really interesting ways, mm-hmm. um, the uh, you know, electronic sounds and synthesis being something that people have access to in all kinds of new ways, you find the sounds that were are classically associated with industrial, and we can get into more of that, what that, what that kind of is, um, permeating all kinds of musics. Um, so it's not attached to a specific genre anymore. Like, I feel like there was a period when, you know, in the beginning where it wasn't really a genre, it was a bunch of different ideas sort of under a certain camp. Some people identified as industrial, some people were retroactively called that. Mm-hmm. Then there was, there's a period where I think it solidified into a very specific genre. I think today... There is um, another time when, like, you find its influence everywhere, um, and that's a uh, that's. I think that does have to do with the, the change in technology and the and sort of the, the the possibilities, also the access we have to musical history. Like a young person today, you know, like a, like a high school student can know everything about 
you know, early industrial. <laughs> right. They want to, whereas like when I was a kid, you had to be, you know, you, you a, kind of a freak and an outsider <laughs> to, to discover it, which is something that, you know, something that, you know, some of us spent a lot of time in exile or, or, or made fun of because, of, because you, of it. Do you think that on some level then the, the idea of what industrial music is has kind of come full, full circle because when it sort of was in its inception, it was really just about doing something weird and doing something different and mm -hmm. even just, you know, using power tools as sound and, and sculpting sound in a different way mm -hmm. or uh, using, you know, sound recordings. Do you think that the concept of industrial music has gone back to that then on some level because... You know, music gets commodified into mm -hmm. into a certain idea, and we we have associations, obviously, with industrial music now. Um, and now that people are using the sounds of industrial music mm -hmm. and are calling different kinds of music industrial music, it's sort of come full circle in some yeah. level. I I think the you could say that for sure, in part because um, because the. Sometimes, you know, the, like, sort of DIY culture of, like, the internet <laughs> can feel, can have some echoes of the DIY culture of, like, making your own cassette in, like, in, a, in like, a garage industrial group in the, in the, in the yeah. 70s and 80s. Like, it kind of, um, there, there's, there are things about that, like, that, that level of empowerment, but, but there's a fundamentally different thing going on, too, which, yeah. which is that we are more reliant than ever on these like corporate entities so there's it's happening on multiple levels like there is like still the very much the commodification mm -hmm. and like music industry um presence of industrial music mm -hmm. um and then there is the uh you know and then there there are various things that people are doing to uh to do it and i, I think you know we we can there's a lot of crossover between like experimental music noise music industrial music um one of the things that I like about the word industrial is because it connotes the idea that we're reflecting, you know, the sounds of the world around us. And that world is a, is a post-industrial world. That world is, like, mechanized by capitalism, mm -hmm. which we're forced to live in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we look around and we see that repetition and, the, you know, the, the landscape of, of our society, the, the, the auditory landscape, and we see music in it you know <laughs> like we're we're sort of there's a there's an act of um of like reappropriation in creating industrial music that mm -hmm. i think is fundamental to making it industrial and not just like a noise noise thing or like an experimental mm -hmm. thing but it's, it's really about appropriating the sounds of like this society of like mass production exploitation that we live in mm -hmm. as well so i think that that like that is something that will not go away and is beyond the the acts that self-identify as industrial it's something that like people have been doing for generations actually in a lot of ways and we find that in art today and other places too so and um sort of the the genre of industrial music as we know it which is really wasn't a way of describing it like we, we were saying um like a certain specific sound not until like what around the 90s with wax tracks um or, or late 80s early 90s with wax tracks and, mm -hmm. and um, labels like that really sculpting the idea of what industrial music might be sound might actually sound like um but then of course kind of birthing from industrial music and the industrial music um movements 
our subgenres like EBM, newbie, noise, cut-ups, etc. They're mm-hmm. sort of all under the umbrella of industrial music. Right. Um, and like you were saying, in the way that people might be using industrial music now, like it sounds like it's more of like a tool for the music that they're creating. It's a it's more of the the theology and, and the idea of industrial music as opposed to it being a genre. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think some people would say that there is a very specific industrial genre, and mm-hmm. maybe you know there are many, um, but there. But I think you're right that it's a it's more of a and it's more of an idea that has infected other things, or or and it itself has developed in 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 dialogue with other arts. So mm-hmm. one of the best examples is techno. Do we want to talk about techno of industrial right now? I mean, that's one <laughs> of, of the course. major themes of this podcast, and exactly. uh, definitely a major. <laughs> part of my own art but it's a um, part of our daily life actually yeah <laughs> as i mean level. like techno and industrial have always had a relationship obviously right like, there's there's like a uh, i mean it goes so deep um you know from the fact that like you know like warp records came out of sheffield and like sweet exorcist mm-hmm. uh, you know like um which is richard part of richard kirk is part of cabaret voltaire you know was part of the the foundational you know wrote some of the foundational tracks of that element of techno which was such an important part of that to to you know like the you know industrial techno of, of the early 90s um that you know to you know the really important detroit industrial connection you know with mm-hmm. uh underground resistance mm-hmm. um and you know the many other detroit uh bands that took um that that took inspiration from the artists that took inspiration from them in the first place, you know, like mm-hmm. like Nitsarab and other other for two forty two, and and really like fed a lot of that like EBM sound back into techno through the Detroit nexus, you know, um, where you know the Jeff Mills Axis early Axis tracks sound like like the hardest industrial techno tracks, you know, even to this day they stand up the, the, mm-hmm. to the test of time, you know, and uh, you know all of that. Um, all of that ha- has happened in some ways cyclically, like over and over again, and like the hard techno getting harder, faster, darker, um, and then sometimes like relaxing into like a melodic state. Like you know, um, I think we've we've seen over the last few years a different like evolution of industrial techno, where mm. like it's actually I think that there are industrial is a thing that most DJs of different types, you know, acid DJs, house DJs, techno DJs, you know, if you listen to, like, if you listen to, like, Deck Mental Festival, everyone kind of gets their fingers in it one way or another, like, whether mm-hmm. it's playing classic EBM tracks in, like, a house set or whatever, you know, or an acid or mixing it up with acid, or it's, like, a techno DJ that, like, everybody wants to be able to go hard at some point or another, whether they do it at one point or another, like, like just, like, acid like tech you know industrial is another thing in the toolkit which i don't think was always the case it was always the case for some djs but i think it's even stronger than ever that you know you get to sort of um like have like a pounding industrial like (laughs) set of records in in your bag you know and like that's a that's a nice thing so and like right now we're listening to yul vendor and um this is essentially industrial ambient music so right. it seems like yeah. industrial music doesn't necessarily influence just techno now it's also like people making 
ambient music, yeah. which is really fascinating. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about that as we're listening to it. Well, ambient music, it's like so much of it involves reflecting, again, the sounds of our society. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we things are constantly being produced yeah. in this society. Um, and, you know, that is like you walk around the street, like you can hear, you know, a truck delivering goods you can hear you know you can hear it right now probably on the mic you know there's surely some construction off in the distance there's surely you know some something happening out there and that's you know that's a that's our society that's not going anywhere Mm -hmm. so this is why people you know can respond to it like the amplification the of that idea you know exactly um so it was reading a little bit from Merleau-Ponty who wrote the Phenomenology of Perception. He is a philosopher. Um, and essentially in a nutshell, he's saying that all of our perception, all of our consciousness is sort of filtered through, it occurs through the body. It's uh, mediated only by our our experience is mediated um, through this sort of, through our own physicality essentially. And Industrial music is 100% obsessed with the body. Um, it sort of aims to provoke uh, an immediate physical response, things like terror, disgust, um, physical dancing, uh, sexual desire, etc., uh, as sort of a means to get past all of the cultural programming of our consciousness is uh, uh, essentially what industrial music's original aim was um and um it's sort of a means to get past all of the sort of cultural programming of mine essentially mm-hmm. so with the territorialization of the self through whatever uh, sort of ab- abrasive sounds to sh- shock the body mm-hmm. um with power tools etc and synthesizers so you know, with this obsession with the body, do you think that this philosophy and in industrial music is sort of evolved and changed now? Now that there's this interesting resurgence with industrial music and techno and industrial music and ambient music, etc., these these influences are really starting to be more obvious and kind of come up. Um, like, how do you think that that philosophy of the body and of the consciousness? Has sort of evolved and changed in terms of like club music or in terms of industrial time. Whatever. Yeah, no. Yeah. That's a really interesting question. Sense. No, it totally <laughs> does. It it really does because, you know, we have to think about, you know, the society, society the way we're experiencing it today. And like if you uh, think about the body and in industrial music in the late 70s, early 80s, come, you know, Warm Leather at the song comes to mind which is about machine fetishism. You know, it's about, mm-hmm. like, it's a sexually transgressive song based on J.G. Ballard's writings, and it's, uh, you know, it's about, like, sexual obsession with with machinery art and damage, you know? And that, that, that had something to do with um, the way that it felt to be alive in England at that time. Mm-hmm. Today, I think that, you know, the neoliberal era of social media affects young people, affects everybody in different ways. But one feeling I think that's quite universal is uni- is like an alienation from other people, from connection, from this, you know, the idea of that that we can a certain type of like physical alienation mm-hmm. um, that we want to that we find different ways of 
overcoming. There's also like a, a way in which we are more connected in other ways, but there, but like on on another basis, I think there is this, uh, there is like a um, a way in which I think a lot of uh, a lot of people are trying to surface um, surface the idea, you know, these these uh, transgressive ideas and and uh, like try to find ways for the body to be involved in our interactions and like the club music has to have like a visceral feeling um because we're so we're so separated from each other i think there's a um you know the idea of like really uh really transgressing like one it it goes beyond like the techno that i just discussed although i think that it's very much present there but I i was in baltimore um couple you know a couple months ago and i saw uh this really good dj dj haram play and she i think she before she went on she said i'm gonna play an industrial set um and it was a ballroom set it was like you know it was very much you know um like club music not like techno at all you know but like really uh like pop and club music um but it was really industrial and it was really like and it brought out sort of like like the really like the really intense vogue um like voguers on the on the dance floor and, and all this stuff and it's like this like sort of queer um space had like very much its own industrial vibe um you can hear that in sets by djs here like you know jasmine infinity here um who plays out a lot similar types of sets like like you can hear the industrial vibe there too you know and i think a lot of that um that that uh the like the idea that like we want something that's going to move our bodies in ways that almost looks like look violent like sometimes <laughs> or or um you know something like something that'll really like take us up to the next level or like push us to our limits um you know is a reaction sometimes to like sitting in front of computer screens and phones and all of the rest of it um you know i, I don't know that, i don't know if that answers your question but that's, that's sort of the way i'm thinking about the current evolution of of body you know of like that kind of like body transgression in industrial music today mm. um that it, it's like we want to be shocked and and damaged we also want you know we want things to we want to be able to be dangerous with our messages within mm. the media or everything else you know so. and speaking of the body um bdsm is all over industrial music not just sonic punishment which mm-hmm. is sadomasochistic um, but also the imagery and, f- and sort of philosophy of, of uh, sadomasochism um, in general, uh, the concept of submission, discipline, all of these methods to submit um, the programmed self through the body is a, is a huge um, underlying theme about sexuality. And I'm seeing a lot of BDSM imagery kind of, especially vintage BDSM imagery, sort of resurfacing now in the past few years which is also really interesting uh, mm-hmm. in terms of techno music or in terms of uh, current industrial music yeah. so do you think people have something to say now about either BDSM culture or um, what most people would call sexual deviance mm-hmm. like that seems to be imagery that's resurfacing now but I don't I'm not sure if it's a conversation or if it's a concept or an idea that's surfacing now for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether or not it's resurfacing now for a specific reason, I'll have to think about that. But I do think that as it resurfaces, the one thing that 
I, I think we should always ask, and an artist should ask themselves, is like, why, you know, what is being transgressed and for, and for who is transgressing and for why? Mm-hmm. And why are they transgressing it? Like, um, you know, there, there were, I think there have been critiques increasingly of some of the, some of the labels or, or artists that have just sort of out of nowhere and out of context kind of just thrown BDSF imagery into oh, their, into their uh, artwork. I think, uh, um, you know, like, I've seen it here and there, like, just uh, people critiquing just, like, having, like, a picture of, like, a bound woman, like, on, like, the cover of a, of a, of a, uh, of a record that, like, is made by, like, a white male techno artist, you know, mm-hmm. or, like, I saw a show, you know, maybe a year ago of, like, a power electronics person, I mean, this happens all the time, but one particular <laughs> one, one um, where, like, it was just images of, like, bound women after bound woman and it was like you know male straight mm-hmm. artists like up there um uh doing a power electronics set you know like no vocals no i mean what is being said and why you know i'm not trying to put um i don't try to put uh ascribe to the artist certain intentions that they may or may not have but mm-hmm. i do think that there is something to um if, you know when we like i'm all about us bringing more like BDSM sexual transgression out into like fusing it with our art making you mm. know like our, our sexual world you know not closeted but like part of the, uh, everyday life and fabric of what we're doing um, but I, I think that like uh, like it's a very like basic um, sometimes it can be very basic like uh, understanding of what, what the power of those things are on the other hand there are a lot of artists that I think use it as um as a way of like subverting, you know, it, definitely female artists. Although I'm not saying that only female artists can do it, but you know, as a way of subverting like dominant narratives of power. That's always been the case with BDSM and industrial. You know that like, mm-hmm. you know, we we present like a, the dominant, um, I, the, you know, the the idea of like a dominant femininity. You know, mm-hmm. as like a you know, or or any kind of sort of uh, the idea of of submission. You know, in the mm-hmm. c- case of Nitsarab, for instance, um, as something that's powerful, I think that that's mm-hmm. like a that was a huge part of it, and all of that, you know, all of those I think really are ways of us getting past you know our general cultural alienation as well. You know, mm-hmm. like bringing sexuality into our art, into our um, into our media, and like surfacing it at the at the forefront, and not just any old sexuality, but also, like, the power dynamics of sexuality, which raises a deep question for everyone. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I I'll, On some level, I, I also feel like the, the narrative of submission being empowerment kind yeah. of changes, too, depending on how that narrative seems to be presented mm-hmm. as well, because... In reality, the submissive can is is very much empowered mm-hmm. because they are the one with the safe word, or they are the one that can choose to submit. So you are giving up the power because you are the one in power as well, exactly. which is which is always like an interesting narrative that I think seems to surface um, in terms of the like, cozy fanny tootie. I think is like a really good example where she's often playing like both roles I feel mm-hmm. like visually um, if not musically as well Absolutely. yeah she yeah. seems to kind of always look like the dominant 
but mm-hmm. also like does things like submit as well. Um, Absolutely. So we've been like a very interesting, very interesting because visuals are so important in industrial music. So the presentation of visuals is very important in terms of like the full narrative of industrial music, which mm-hmm. I thought was really kind of cool that they're using BDSM. <laughs> um, shock tactics, um, sampling from horror movies, grotesque themes, uh, decay, which Skinny Puppy uses a lot, the decay of body, decay of society, etc. Um, these are all sort of themes in industrial music, mostly to stimulate the physical self, um, but also seems to reflect on the, the difficult times uh, when this music was coming out. So how do you think industrial music now is reflecting on our lives and our mm-hmm. own hardships uh, yeah. know, um, now? You know? Well, I think that like, I think that the idea of dystopia is a really important element of industrial music, um, decay and dystopia. And it, um, you know, we talk about the difficult times that existed when industrial music came out. That's like a very specific geographic and historical idea, whereas like today... You know, I mean, at that time and today, like difficult times never went away. You know, like difficult times are still um, part of our world, and like the dystopia that you know people project in, into the future. Uh, you know, think when you think about industrial music projecting a future dystopia. Sometimes, you know, we you know what we live in very much, in my opinion, is dystopia. Um, and uh, I think uh, I think the uh, you know there is a there is a, a need. I mean. When you look at um, some of the industrial music coming out today, one example, you know, my mix is going to start with More Mother, who's a Philadelphia mm-hmm. artist. You know, um, she, like, I think reveals the horror of being black in America, while, mm. you know, of today, while also projecting sort of like a, a, like a futurist narrative um, that involves, involves fight back, but also like a very, like, tragic and, and horrific uh, reality, you know, like there's mm-hmm. like both things are present at the same time, um, you know, and that horror of like police violence, of black bodies being murdered and uh, and and uh, disregarded in America today is is horror, <laughs> you know, like it, it is it's grotesque, and you know the music that reflects it, um, you know, is beautiful in the way that it, it that it brings for that reality, um, and I think that that's that's part of how you know, oppressed people are starting to, I, that's starting to, but I think increasingly, um, you know, taking on a bigger role in what we would call industrial music today, you know, that, that it's a, it's a tool that's even more relevant today. Um, if you are at the other end of the barrel of a gun or mm-hmm. facing economic hardship or, or sexually oppressed, um, in any way, like this idea that we need a dangerous music is really important, a shock, a shocking music, or, um, or just a music that is, uh, that, like, reflects that way in which capitalist society, you know, and the repetition, mechanization of our society tries to fit us in certain roles, and we see those walls, we see that machine all the time, and we, like, see how dangerous and, and disgusting that machine can be, we can also reap beauty from it, you know, through the, through, by learning its technologies, by learning how, how to, how to harness that for our own art and creation, you know. And so speaking of now, and speaking of uh, current music, um, 
you started a label since we last spoke yeah. um, on the show, uh, Left Hand Path. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what sort of motivated you to start this label with uh, Chris Alduo, of course, yeah. as part of the Surface Tension Collective? Well, I mean, I've always been in contact with a lot of new artists or artists that I felt like were underappreciated um, in the, you know, in in the world, and also, in, I've also been exposed to artists who get a lot of attention because of the booking that I've done through Surface Tension and just being part of the, the local scene here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't always have the idea that I would have a label. Uh, some people grew up like Chris. I think was like since he was a teenager, he was like I wanted to have a label forever. But for me, I wasn't always <laughs> like I'm going to do this thing and make make a record label happen. Yeah. But when uh, Adam Keith, who's Cube, uh, who's the artist named Cube, sent me the what became our first release, My Cube, uh, and he said that he was looking to, to put it out. Um, you know, I looked around. I, I tried. I tried to think about how I could get him an audience with with a label. But then I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I think I this. I want this to be done in such a way that it, this gets the proper attention. And I feel like there's enough here. Like there's enough that I know about here in the Bay Area and like things I hear about, things I, I want to play a role in getting exposure to. There's a perspective here that I would like to pursue. And, you know, Chris very much is a part of that and has been for a long time with me through Service Tension. Mm-hmm. So we joined forces and said, let's just do this ourselves. Let's put out the Cube record because I thought it was a beautiful, um, you know, it was a beautiful record from beginning to end. I really loved how it was constructed. And it, it reflects a lot of the... Uh, the ideals about, or, or like the idea of what I think is good industrial music um, today that that I'm talking about today, you know. So we uh, so we released it last June, and I'm I'm really proud of that first release, yeah, and I'm excited about what's coming up. You know, um, not all of it is what you would think of traditionally as industrial music. I wouldn't say that we're necessarily an industrial label um, in in a to pin ourselves down that hard, but that's a very major part of our influence and in our and what we're doing, and and I think our first shot out this uh, you know first salvo with my cube kind of reflects where we're where we're trying to go mm-hmm. you know and as you are one fourth of the surface tension surface tension collective uh your last few shows have been far more left field far more experimental um in terms of how you're booking it um particularly with the Diagonal Showcase and most recently with uh, Inga Copeland and, and Tennis. Mm-hmm. So what's sort of in store for Surface Tension to, to close out the year? You know, we, uh, we did so much this year. We did a lot of different um, events. but um, we, So we're taking a little bit of a break right now. Um, but what we're looking to do is more things like that, shows that bring... Um, Shows that bring artists that wouldn't normally get booked here, or combinations that wouldn't normally get booked, or just like put forward a very specific perspective. That's like that's really fundamental to to our our um, to what we're doing. Like we we don't want to just book artists to book artists, or just or to be around, or or to um, you know to have have something for people to do on a Friday night there's plenty of people that will fill that role and that's there's a lot of a lot of really great stuff going on and from a booking perspective we want to sort of make a contribution to the local scene one way or another so we're working on some underground ideas that will be sort of more locally based and we have at least one pretty major artist that I can't announce officially yet coming up in December Very cool. um, 
paired with a with a really important local artist that we're going to have, and that's like, you know, probably one of my favorite international producers. Um, you know, so stay tuned for that announcement. Very, very exciting. Yeah. Um, you also, on top of all of that, uh, have your own solo project, Nine. Yeah. Um, so what is Nine, and um, how did you come up with it, and uh, what are you working on in terms um, of that project? Yeah, um, Nine is is a, I mean, it comes out of my own sort of solo uh, explorations of music. I've been making music for a long time, but mostly through collaboration um, with different folks, you know, I collaborated for a long time um, in a project called Brews with Josh Widman. Mm-hmm. I was part of a duo called Sutures. Mm-hmm. I play a lot of music with the Creatrix, um, the, uh, you know, a, not, some of which ha- hasn't been released, but maybe someday we'll see the light of day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like these are all inspiring people to me. Um, and uh, I, but I have been playing live every now and then, had been playing live every now and then. So um, Nine is, you know, developing into my own platform to sort of explore some of the ideas I've been talking about today about, <laughs> you know, about industrial. It is definitely, I think, it leans more in like the techno industrial realm. But, um, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm trying to find my own voice. Um, and, uh, you know, the, I think of Nine as part of, you know, the, the like, cyber war, which is, part, which is an important part of, of industrial music, sort of the, the idea of the, um, the, the idea of, of, like, creating media that is for, you know, warfare against, against power, against, you know, all of the various things that, that, um, that hold us in check and keep us part of the machine, you know. Nine is is part of getting out of that by like um, by looking to you know some kind of uh, you know spiritual reawakening. Um, I don't know. It's very vague, but like those are the philosophies around nine. You know, those are the ideas. That's the story in my head, um, so to speak. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope I hope it has its own feeling as it develops. Um, I have a couple things coming up with it and if the um one is a podcast i'm going to do um in a it's going to come out in mid-november as part of the dimension series which is which is a great series um that has a whole bunch of really great artists involved in it um that i really respect and you should look it up if you know um you know people like patrick russell and carl meyer and um nick klein cm fuegos uh whole bunch of others are in are part of it and um it's uh and it's gonna be a live hybrid set and um i mean a live dj hybrid set um and uh i'm still trying to figure out what the flow will be for that but i think it's gonna be i mean i've been working on it for a long time and sort of we'll see how it comes together but i'm excited about that the way i would be excited about like a release honestly because i i really feel like it's gonna be one cohesive story and Mm -hmm. um I, I like how it's coming together. Um, and then I'm going to have a release on a label that's very dear to San Francisco folks here. Um, and I, I'm not, I can't announce it yet, but yeah, that'll be in the summer. So Very exciting. And uh, when your podcast is uh, presented as well as your next release, I will be reposting that on our Facebook page as well as our um, 
the page for this podcast as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, I am playing live also um, November third at the Eagle for a um, as a benefit for Lauren Bosfield who was um, who suffered some injuries and a fire um, last month, and uh, you know there's a benefit for That's her recovery. No- November third. That's a November third. Yes. Yeah, that will be a spectacular show. Yeah. And so now I'm going to have you. We've been talking for a while now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's so Is there much any time to talk for about. A set? <laughs> we are uh, about ready for a set. Uh, was there anything specific that you were planning on in terms of the set? Um, I, I just want to. I mean, mostly it's just the really hard and fast industrial techno. <laughs> set. But um, but yeah, I'm a you know. Mainly, you know, I'm just um, pulling on, like, the darker side of, mm. you know, the darker and, and harder side of, of some of the different musics I have. And I have some things in there that, um, that are not techno, um, <laughs> but also, but I think are part of the, the, the same, uh, the same move, general movement. So I would, uh, you know, check, take a look at the track list, <laughs> see the, like, spread of industrial music today. Okay. Most of it is very new music, actually. Most of it, I think, is 2016, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of, lot of local favorites in there as well. Yeah. So why, why live in industrial nostalgia? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're listening to Infinite Beat. This is Topaz Zoo, and you're about to listen to an exclusive mix by Nine, also known as Nihar, uh, right after this William Bazinski track. Thank you.
me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy from these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Prophet in the valley of dry bones.